If you have an interest in digging into your own Irish ancestry, this podcast is for you. Just a tip, you might want to get a pen and some paper to take notes. tuning into the Traveling in Ireland podcast. Today I have a guest on and this is somebody that I have been wanting to chat with for quite a long time because if you are anything like me, you have some Irish ancestry. And you know, what is it? 33% of all Americans um, have some sort of Irish ancestor in their background. And of course with, you know, the um, the Irish, you know, departing Ireland and, and spreading to all points across the world. I think most people do have um, an interest in finding that, that lost ancestor from Ireland. So I am so excited to introduce you all to Mary Cahill. I, I know I just ruined that, didn't I? Uh, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's, you, you hit the nail on the head there, oh. Mary Cahill. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And... Mary has a company called Oak Ancestry, and she assists people in tracing their ancestors. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. You're welcome, as am I. And we, we chatted, we've chatted a bit online. Um, we kind of uh, met via email and, yeah. and have chatted um, a, a little bit. But Oak Ancestry is, is relatively new for you. It's Three years old now, is that right? Yeah, it's it's three years old. So I started early 2014. So yeah, pretty much around about the exact mark of three years, <laughs> and um, it's it's definitely gaining momentum. I mean, there is a lot of interest out there, and really, it, I think really it is only in the recent years that people are realizing how much Irish diaspora there is around the world, especially in the United States um, and Canada, actually as well. It's mm-hmm. just it really is like it's only in the last few decades really that exact figures are coming out so it really is mind-blowing that so many of us are are in far-flung places in the world so it's great to hear from from places i've never even heard of sometimes <laughs> you know and 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 to hear to hear and see the interest just travel so it's, it's great really to get the interest as well now i know that from my own travels in ireland a lot of the time uh you you know the the stories and the ancestry all traces back. I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, if you know somebody's name and where they're from, you can almost say, okay, and they're the son of this and the grandson of that, and this yeah. was their grandmother. Is is that is that really that common over there, or does that just seem like it to me? <laughs> yeah, I think really it depends. I suppose on on a few things, the basics being obviously their name mm-hmm. um, and and if you know I suppose where where they were born and when they were born, they're, they're like the most important things that anyone would need really starting mm-hmm. out. Um, now if, if someone really only has those basics, like uh, like a lot of times I will just get a name, you know, and and sometimes it actually is okay because that name might be quite unusual and that might be all right. But if if you're talking about Murphy or Kelly or something like that, you're going to more. You're going to need a good bit, more. like not a good bit more, but even if you had parents' names, 
mm-hmm. or if you had children's names or spouse's name, um, or just family stories in general. And you don't even have to know that they're 100% true. They're just, like so, some stories I hear, a lot of the clients will say, well, I'm not sure if this is true, but this is what I know. And and some people might hold back because mm-hmm. they think they might sound a bit funny or whatever. But a lot of the times we'll find out that 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 story is actually true or there's some other element to it or something like that. So obviously the more information the better, but um but yeah, so it it does depend on the name. That's probably the most important mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, and, and the place as well, you know. There's right. some names are so popular <laughs> in certain places that it's a needle in a haystack scenario. Right. So yeah. The more information, the better, I suppose. Well, I, I know that my furthest ancestor that we can trace back, and I was still in America, was uh, a Franklin, Frank Kelly. And, uh, oh. you know, it, and this was in the 1700s in America. And so who knows? There's nothing beyond that. But that's kind of a difficult name to trace. So, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It, it is, uh, especially especially for the 17, 1700s, because generally generally when it comes to like you might have an american record that will say 1780 something on it or mm-hmm. or whatever but generally in ireland the earliest you can go back is the early 1800s oh wow and um that that might be that might be just a land record now this is only generally speaking mm-hmm. i couldn't speak for for some obviously but um but generally they might not correspond. So, like, I have had loads of requests, all right, from from someone who has a record from from the late 1700s, but I I wouldn't be able to link it back up mm-hmm. here because they just don't exist, you know. So, um, but I mean, you never, you just never know. There are some records as well, um, sporadic ones throughout the country that exist for for certain places. So it's always worth looking into. Always. Right. Now I know that that you had told me that you you know you had an interest in in family history, which is really where your genealogy interest grew from. Was was tracing family stories, and mm-hmm. and it kind of grew from there. What what made you decide to follow the the path of genealogy as as more than a hobby? Um, probably sitting at my grandmother's fireside and just listening to her. Uh, she would, she was just, like most Irish grandparents, which I think is really unfortunately dying out, is they will, they have that, they had that knack of, like, I mean, previous generations, they had that knack of just sitting there and just talking <laughs> all day and possibly all night. And they tell you the most outlandish things, they tell you the most interesting things or, you know, and, and a lot of it sticks and, you know, you just get curious then uh, of who these people were or, you know, kind of seeing if a story was true or not. Mm-hmm. So so that's it stuck with me anyways. And um, then when I was old enough, I just, I think I, I think it's a tick me that I wanted to go and learn more about it. And I think as well in, in recent decades, well, in recent years, there's been a lot of like kind of new kind of, education courses where you can you can actually go and and professionally uh, learn learn about these things in in a third level kind of environment um so i think they were kind of only really coming out when i when i was beginning to to study it which was probably about six years ago or more now 
And um, that led on to me doing a master's in the history of family in the University of Limerick. So um, it was after I had completed the master's then that I set up the website. So it's just the addiction definitely grew stronger and it's growing stronger, especially because starting off with your own family is one thing. But then being able to to share in so many other people's stories is just it's just brilliant like it really is just the best addiction ever <laughs> you know it's, it's brilliant like just to hear other people's mm-hmm. stories because everyone is so different every family is so different and this is probably the best job where you you do really realize that and you respect that you know so mm-hmm. I love it and you know I guess the I, I was kind of struck by the fact that there's a, a mastery program for this at the University of Limerick I, I oh, guess I hadn't yeah. even considered yeah, that it was like, you know that structure yeah I, like so i suppose there are courses leading up to this particular course and um those courses would actually more so um talk about different databases different repositories and all that the kind of the the technical side of things and the methodolo- methodological side of things but then when it comes to the masters you're talking the academic side of everything mm-hmm. so so, and it's it's so important to to have a grasp of both because it's one thing to to go and get a record, but to to not really know the social history of, of about why that that record is there, mm-hmm. why the details on it are are what they are, and 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 that you know it's it's important. So I was glad I did the masters. Um, it was it was a lot of it was general history, general Irish history, which you do need to know obviously because. Someone might come back to you and say, you know, why were they here in, in 1916 or even 19, 1920s? And you might kind of say, oh, well, there was a war going on there. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like something mm-hmm. that you need to know what was going on. And I think the academic side of it really helped, really helped with that, that I can actually explain things. I can, you know, kind of back things up. I have new methodology now mm-hmm. to, to, to kind of confirm some information that you might find from a record. So... So I was delighted I did the Masters, and I really enjoyed it, actually. Well, and I imagine that would give you a lot of background to be able to add, too. You would be able to say, okay, we know that they were here at this point, and then they had moved, you know, maybe, you know, 40 kilometers away at this point, and this could be the reason why, even if you don't have, you know, firm written evidence of that then. Yeah, like... Well, maybe move, moving away from that particular point, but there, there, there are a few, I guess, and um, they're from, they're, they'd be from like, they'd be from the early 1800s, and in the early 1800s, in in Ireland, in certain parts of Ireland, there was a cholera epidemic, and you know, some people might kind of say they kind of like they're, they're talking about their ancestor who might have emigrated, and there's absolutely no trace of their family left. Uh, back in Ireland, mm-hmm. um, like, f- for example, one that I did. And um, I was looking through the records of all this person's family, and they just, at really young ages, they all were just dying. And you realize that, actually, it's at this time where there was a cholera epidemic, and there was just, you know, mass burial grounds. Wow. And it's awful, really. But um, in relation to the cholera epidemic, then... and. I kind of like to kind of put some some bit of interesting kind of information on top of it because 
you know, that is so depressing. <laughs> you know, it really is. Um, but to finish on a note, I, I always kind of um, bring it to the present day or bring it to, to something that might lighten it some bit. Um, in relation to the cholera epidemic, um, you know, Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula. Okay. Well, he he would have gotten a lot of his inspiration from his mother's stories who grew up around the cholera epidemic in Sligo, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's where he got his inspiration from her stories of the cholera epidemic in Ireland. So you're talking about the, one of the most famous fictional horror books in the world. It comes about from that. So it's just linked to all these kind of really interesting facets. Some of them extremely, extremely horrifying. And then some of them kind of extremely kind of enlightening, <laughs> you know, right. so... Right. So it's good to know all these things as well. And and those are things that, you know, maybe somebody who is researching on their own wouldn't really have um, the knowledge of that. And that, I... Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, that, that's exactly it. I mean, they, they will, I mean, anyone will eventually get to know, get to know that once they research a bit more. But I suppose that's the purpose of, of hiring someone who just mm -hmm. kind of, knows the timeline automatically, you know, someone might kind of ask you a question like, oh, well, this was going on then, and all of a sudden it makes sense, you know, so, mm -hmm. so definitely, but I mean, still, people, and lots of people do uh, undertake research themselves, and there's nothing wrong with that either, you know, it might just take them a little bit longer, <laughs> it's, you know. It's not quite like the TV shows where they wrap it all up neatly in half an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have everything, everything researched well before even production starts. <laughs> So that's why it looks so easy. <laughs> so with Oak Ancestry, what what kind of services do you offer? You offer, is it just kind of one well, service, or do you do quite a few different things? Yeah, it's mainly, um, so initially someone will, will contact us, and um, sometimes we'll just get an email and, and people will just ask us, but usually we will send back the link of our assessment form, which is also available on our website. And um, so people will, will just uh, fill in the form as much as they know or as little as they know, and, um, and we'll go from there. So the initial search is free, and we, like, there's no point in, in, in kind of paying for research when you don't know actually if, if we can find out anything new for you. Okay. So, so that's why it's free, and it, sh it should be. Um, so then once we get back to them, we'll either say, you know, no, we can't, f we can't go any further, which we rarely do, thank God. Um, <laughs> and then, so, and then a lot of the times we'll say, okay, right, we can find out this, or we can go, we can go, you know, in this direction. Um, mm -hmm. so then it's up to that person then if they want to commission research. So we do, we do two, t two types of reports. One is a full report where we can find out quite a bit of information and that, that cost 225 and then we can do a brief report usually based on the fact that we can only find out a little information mm -hmm. but it's still you know it's still quite it still makes all the difference you know so um and then there's another we, we have recently started another service where we can um obtain help people obtain citizenship in ireland so it's both the brief report and the citizenship service is 89 euros. So 
they're, that's the price range with us, mm-hmm. and they're the kind of services we offer at the moment. But the initial, initial search is always free, so nothing's stopping anyone there, just, just to inquire, you know. And, and I should probably mention that citizenship is, is uh, you have to have, at, what, at the furthest back, a, a grandparent that emigrated from Ireland. Yes, it, it can't go any further back than that. Oh, no. Uh, um, so, like, I mean, we, the earliest we've had, we've had people inquiring about people who've left Ireland in the 1950s, even. Um, uh, the, the er, like, I suppose the further back, I suppose, we have had some, some queries that would go back to, you know, the 1600s. And unless, unless that person <laughs> is really, you know, from, like, a real well-to-do kind of mm-hmm. landowner or whatever, it'll be, re- it'll be quite hard to, to gleam any kind of official information about them. So, yeah, I suppose if, if it's a, a grandparent, a great-grandparent or whatever, um, it, I suppose it depends on, on the age of someone, the person who's applying as well. You know, like if they, could, they could be talking about a great-great-great-grandparent and you're still talking about the 1840s or whatever. No, so, I suppose. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just whatever you know. Um, Regard, like I know there are general guidelines, but regardless of of the name age, uh, the name date of birth and place, it's always worth inquiring. Always, okay. just for that professional opinion. Yeah. Now, do you ever do any work with people who are maybe coming to Ireland and want to do some research on their family? Do you ever um, do like on, you know, one-on-one in-person type of things, or do you just make mm-hmm. sure they have their information before they get there? Yeah, that really, the last point there, I think, would really be the best. Because, I mean, I have had people who, um, you know, they're in Ireland and, you know, they kind of, you know, now they, they, they're like, okay, I want, to, I want to learn more about this person. Because mm-hmm. I suppose they didn't really prepare too much or think about it too much until they were here because people mm-hmm. are, are really busy and lead really busy lives, and that's understandable. But I really would encourage anyone who who does want to look into their Irish ancestry to prepare before they come here because you know a lot of Irish genealogy is conducted online now so I mean once you come here you don't want to be on your laptop or your iPad while while you're here the whole time you really should have it all out of the way before you get here so that when you get here you can visit you can visit a grave or you can visit a townland a family townland or parish or, Mm -hmm. or house if you're lucky enough. So that's really the best advice I could give anyone. And, you know, if anyone wanted to undertake it themselves, then there's loads of, of, of information out there. As I said, it's all mainly online now. I mean, if you wanted to do field research while you were here in Ireland, again, like like being on the laptop, laptop all the time, you might actually be in a, a national or a local library somewhere. Mm-hmm. the whole time waiting for a record. So, you know, people want to enjoy themselves while they're here. They want to to go to these places directly and just have all the work done. Mm-hmm. So really, I would say to get it out of the way before they come here. Okay. So um, would there ever be a situation where, you know, you, let's say that you've been working with somebody and you've been able to acquire quite a bit of, of information um, I guess, would there be a, a way that you would sit down with them and, and kind of go over it a little more thoroughly? Or is this something that is it's all done online? And Yeah, I, like, I mean, if, I mean, 
a lot of the time people will contact me before they come here and and it's good really because we have time to go over and back like if i do have any questions mm -hmm. i can just email them again and say you know any you know do you have maybe this person's name or is that is that it and that person say no that's everything i have and that's fine as long as i know that that's everything mm -hmm. i have mm -hmm. um the odd time I will, I will have people who, you know, they're here and, you know, they're only here for a few days and they would like something while they were here. And the odd time, if I wasn't too busy, I, I would be able to, to get them a report within a couple of days. But that really is a big <laughs> That's big, yeah. Yeah, it normally would take me, you know, you know, a week or two oh. to get a report out to someone. So only because of... of you know, backlogs and waiting times and, you know, trying to get one out of the way and then on to the next one. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to initial, initial research queries, I'll always get back to someone within at least three days. So this still is very quick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it is. But then when it comes to if someone wants to actually commission a report, then I would, I would advise to, to just give themselves that bit of time, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, so yeah, that's that's what I would do. And if anyone wanted to undertake it themselves, there are a lot of free websites out there as well. If people wanted to just start browsing now mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. just get some information, and then if they hit a roadblock, they can they can contact someone like myself, or they can even contact um, um, people in the in the relevant, I suppose, centres that they might have come across or, or something like that. But but um, there are a lot of good free websites out there that will take you back quite quite a bit in time as well. So, um, like I can I can mention some of them there. That would be like. that would be great. Yes. Yeah. So, I suppose a good one to start off with is, and these are the free ones now. Mm -hmm. um, they'd be the National Archive of Census Returns. So, I mean, that's pretty much the website. So you're better off just googling, you mm -hmm. know, Census Ireland. And mainly they're for 1901 and 1911. So mainly now there are some for earlier, earlier years and earlier decades. But um, but generally for the whole of Ireland you're talking 1901 and 1911. And um, there there are gold mines as well. If if you kind of know where, if obviously if you know who you're looking for or where mm -hmm. you're looking for. And um, there's there's a couple of land records uh, databases that are free as well. Uh, one is uh, Griffith's Valuation, so again, just Google that mm -hmm. because the website is a little bit erroneous. And that is land records from the mid-19th century. Again, you need to know, I suppose, where and who you're looking for. And um, then the other one would be the Tides Apartment Books, which go back to around the 1820s. So, yeah, you'd need, you'd need to know, mm -hmm. I suppose, the name and the place there as well. But, I mean, it, if all you had was the name and the place, these can give you so much more. So so they're pretty good. There's another one as well, johngrenham.com. He has he has some free information on it and some that is subscription, but it's it's really kind of um it's it's an inexpensive enough website and he is he is another gold mine as well gold mine as well. He's very good, his website. And um I suppose the paid ones then would be kind of you know, the normal ones people know of, Ancestry um dot com. Right. And that, um, but in terms of the Irish ones, there's RootsIreland.ie, which have not all, but most of the vital records like births, marriage, death, some some um, passenger records as well. 
And um, oh, another free one actually. Sorry, I meant to say was the Family Search dot org one, which a lot of people are probably familiar with as well. I find them. I find sometimes if I can't find something on ancestry, they'll have it or vice versa. So it's always good to kind of bounce these ones off each other and just work intermittently with all of them because they'll all kind of draw a, a clear picture at the end of it if you use all of them. Um, yeah, there's 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 so many. <laughs> you know, there really is so many. I think the, the best way really is to just put a lot of time, if, if you are doing it yourself, is to put a lot of time into into it. Um, mm-hmm. And just just getting it, getting through it before you come here. Yeah, that's right. that's definitely one thing I would advise. Well, I do have a couple of questions because I field a lot of emails from people, mm-hmm. and I'll, you know, quite a few of them have to do with you know tracing ancestry or you know just tips for how they should go about it. So I do have a couple of of uh, questions that I had received. If it's okay if I run those by you? Yeah, of course. Okay. I had uh, one that said, I understand my family came from Donegal. Where could I go to inquire and learn more about my family? Now, Donegal's a big, big county. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, Again, I know I probably sound like a broken record. If that person knows, um, obviously, the name of the person that they're looking for and then like I mean Donegal can can be kind of hard as well because there's there are certain names up there that are really really common as well so I don't know what what mm-hmm. name this person has but um yeah if they have a name and a place and a possible date of birth or marriage or death um that that will really really help them and I mean I could you know I could kind of say you you could go here or there but I I don't know exactly exactly where in Donegal mm-hmm. this person is from. So I like even if I did, I would still highly, highly recommend the the different uh, websites I just mm-hmm. listed out there with a focus on Donegal. Okay. Because all these websites will, will give you the option to, to really narrow down your search. Like most databases. Um and it's really, really effective. And I would just say just play around with these websites. You will eventually find mm-hmm. something, you know, and um and I, one thing I, I didn't say as well, like totally off off the computer altogether, <laughs> would just talk to family as well. And obviously the older generations, if they're still around, and just start that conversation and see how you go. You know, that's, that really is sometimes the best way altogether to, to get your information and then go online and start searching, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, speaking of counties or parishes, if you had, if you could really pinpoint to a specific area would you benefit from contacting a local parish or or would that just not be as much of a benefit as you might think do you mean like a local parish priest or well i I know that you know like parish records and things would would Mm. that i I, and that doesn't i mean there there are not everywhere obviously but i'm just wondering if you if you were aware of a specific, you know, area or a small, you know, smaller area than maybe a county, would there be any help in in trying to contact somebody very, very locally in that way? Yeah, I mean, I think the best place to to start when it comes to to local um, 
local sources of information within a specific county is a genealogy centre uh, or a heritage centre, okay. they'd probably be the best ones to, to contact. And again, I, I've all, my motto is Google is your best friend. <laughs> so it really is. So, I, you know, if, if it's Donegal, then look up Donegal um, Heritage Centre or Genealogy Centre. I'm not sure that they have one now because, as I said, I always use the databases that I always go to, but um, most counties do have one. Okay. And that's a great place to start. And then they might say, you know, if you know, I suppose, the parish or or whatever, they might say, all oh, right, okay, well then, um, here's the number for the parish priest in, in this parish. Because parish records usually, when you're talking about people in parish records, you're, you're usually talking about baptism records or mm -hmm. marriage records or, you know, church records. Because right. um, civil records are, are kept in, um, you know, one, one national place one national archive really right. so um so when it comes to parish records you really are just talking about the the church records okay. so it's usually the parish priest that that okay. you need to contact and a lot of those church records have recently been um digitized on um the national archives website in ireland so it's always it's always good to have a peek at that as well and just type in your your parish of interest and seeing what's up there you know and if it's not there, then maybe contact the parish priest. Excellent. That's excellent advice. I didn't realize that so many had been digitized. Seems like more and more every day. So many and more, more to come. Yeah, it's, it's great, really. <laughs> and then the second question I had come in uh, was about researching um, on a trip to Ireland. She asked, what is the best way to do a little genealogical work on a vacation in Ireland? And like you said, you really want to have a lot of the digging done before you get there so you can kind of pinpoint even where you might want to go. Yeah, and and really like if I knew I suppose what this person has already done because I presume like Dave, even if even if it's speaking to someone in the family, even if even if kind of I knew where they had started already because they've obviously started somewhere, then you could kind of tell them what, what where to go from there. Mm -hmm. When it comes to, to being in Ireland, it really does depend on what they know already. But um right. You know, are, it, it really is all dependent on. on are there any are there any general places that people can go to to maybe get a little bit of information? Are there any, you know, like in Dublin or Galway, or is there any place that's this kind of a, a nice general, you know, I yeah. just want to know a little bit or get a, a little taste of of what I might find kind of places. Yeah, I think um, the National Library of Ireland is um, obviously in Dublin, and um, there is a very good little study room up there, and there are helpers up there, and they'll they'll kind of point you in the in the right direction, or they might even kind of sit you down and go through online um, online sources mm -hmm. with you, because again, like so many things are online now, right. and it could be actually painstaking to go through. <laughs> to go through actual records, so it actually wouldn't really make sense unless, you know, you've all the time in the world. But um, I suppose, you know, Dublin really is the hub. It has, it houses so many national records. Right. So, and then, so there's the National Archives, which is um, on Pier Street, I think it has changed address recently. Um, and then, obviously, the National Library of Ireland is on Kildare Street. And... Um, yeah, they'd be kind of the, the two main ones okay. to start you off anyways. But again, 
you know, you could be in there all day. <laughs> you could be right. in there all week. So, like, really, definitely try and get some sort of a head start before you come over here. Excellent. Well, it's it's odd, like we've said, you know, it, it's not, you know, doesn't all fall together like you see on the TV shows and, and definitely yeah. takes but a lot of work. <laughs> so have, have you ever, have you had somebody that you've worked with where the pieces just, I mean, they fell into place just one after the other, after the other, after the other, and, and led, you know, further back than, than you even realized that you might be able to take that person with their history? Yeah, and sometimes further forward than you've even realized. Um, like, there was one I can think of, all right, and, um, you know, again, like, you, this family story, you don't know if it's true or not, because it's always worth mentioning. Um, like, her her mother was adopted, uh, was given up for adoption, although she was allowed to keep her, her birth name oh, and wow. always know that she was adopted. Um, not not legally adopted as far as I know, not formally adopted. Mm -hmm. But um, anyways, the the mother who gave her up for adoption, um, usually in Ireland would be um, a single mother or, you know, like unmarried. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, unfortunately they were frowned upon and a lot of them were made to give up their babies. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's generally the case. But um, in this case, we we realized that this woman, um, in fact, turned out to be a nun. Oh. <laughs> and, ended up <laughs> and ended up in America. Now, whether she was a nun, I don't think she was a nun when she had her baby, but she, she, she very shortly after that became a nun. So she was, she was hardly exactly this, this kind of, um, you know, kind of down and out woman mm -hmm. before. You know, it's, you just come across it all and there is no one size fits all. <laughs> So it's always, always best to just, you know, to just um, air everything out, you know, and just kind of see where it leads you. So it, it really can lead you anywhere. Um, further back, yeah, you get you get a lot of surprises that, you know, I, like I have had some records from, from the 1700s, and it's been great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really kind of, it really kind of piques your interest and and allows somebody to, to really have a big family tree you know so right it's great yeah so well and it, it kind of sounds like you don't want to go into it with maybe too narrow of a focus because if you have if your focus is is you know just straightforward and down the line you might miss yeah. something that's that's really really exciting as i said like i mean this is really like in the last few years it has really opened my eyes to to how different every single family is and I mean you can look at Ireland and you can look at its history if you want to, and say that you know oh well these were the rules and everyone followed by them but if you really if, yeah if you really put a microscope up to each and every family you'll 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 know it's extremely different behaviors extremely different attitudes and um, different kinds of even beliefs and ways of life and this person could have ended up in a completely different place to where you thought, and yeah, it's it's always it's always good to have an open mind. Always good, especially if you don't really if you don't really know mm -hmm. like what happened or what went on. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now before we wrap this up, I am going to end by asking you the question that I ask all of my guests, and that is, what three places do you think that people, when they visit Ireland, they really should make it a point to visit? 
Okay. Um, well, being from Clare, I would always say the Cliffs of Moher, and I'm sure everyone has <laughs> probably heard of them at this stage. And the only thing, I suppose, and you know yourself, it is, it's probably got the most tourists that visit it in the whole of Ireland when mm-hmm. it comes to attractions. But it really is, like, amazing to see mm-hmm. from any angle. So, um, And quite inexpensive, actually, as well, to go to. But um, I, I would definitely, I mean, I love going up there myself. Um, so definitely that place. Um, there's a museum as well. Um, I like, there's so many museums, but I really think this one is is a gem when it comes to someone who is interested in, I suppose, how their own Irish ancestors used to live, mm-hmm. especially if you if you come to know about them before you go visit this. It'll mean a lot more. So this particular museum is in Castlebar in County Mayo, and it's the museum of um, of of Irish country life. Mm-hmm. So, so it just it just shows you how people lived rurally in Ireland before before the present day, and it's it's way way more interesting than you might think, and it is really quite modern. Um, so, so that'd be my second one. Excellent, my, excellent choice. That's a great yeah, museum. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And the third one, um, I don't know. I, I I love to go to Kerry every summer. I think. Everyone, I think sure mm-hmm. it's the most um, visited county in Ireland, but it really is just spectacular. And I mean, if you go down there in nice weather, you could really be, you could be in any kind of paradise-related place in the world. It's just absolutely beautiful. Obviously, if I could double barrel my third choice, County Clare is obviously <laughs> just as nice as County right. Kerry, where I'm from. So. Um, Definitely the the West and this new Wild Atlantic Way route that has opened up over the last couple of years is is pretty good as well. It it just brings you everywhere along the western route. And there's a new there's a new route in the east as well, but mm-hmm. um that that's new enough and that's well worth looking into as well. But they'd be my three choices I suppose. So and, when uh, you when you go to Kerry, do you have a place that you go often or yeah. do you where do you go? Yeah, I was gonna say, um when it comes to, to, to a particular place in Kerry like um, I don't know. If you look at my website, um, there's there's a, a picture of a little cottage, and um, and there's a blue sky and there's a beach as if that was every day in Ireland. <laughs> it's a bit too idyllic, maybe. But um, that particular photo was taken on the Blasket Islands of County Kerry, and um, they are uninhabited islands now. Mm-hmm. Uh, only recently, in the last few decades. And um, there's still a lot of kind of ruined houses there that there that are kept by the descendants of their family, and it really is beautiful to see. And one of that one of those houses is the cottage on my website, so you'll be able to see a glimpse of that. So I suppose just the coastal regions of Kerry mm-hmm. is pretty spectacular, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, I love those choices. Um, yeah. The mm-hmm. you know you, you can never go wrong with classical Ireland. I mean, it's just, it's what people envision. And to know that, you know, even, you know, it's not just the tourists that love those places, I think is so important because a lot of people have an idea of, okay, well, everybody goes to the Cliffs of Moher, you know, Mm. no, the Irish people don't go there. (laughs) And and Mm. it's just not true because places like that are well-known and popular for a reason. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're open all year round. So, you know, obviously Irish people go, go there <laughs> because no 
one's going to come here in January, I would presume. Um, well, you'd be surprised. But, um, yeah, if ever I have anyone come coming to me visiting from another county, I'll bring them there. Because, you know, you... I haven't been to a lot of places in Ireland. It's mm-hmm. it's like it's like any country where anyone is from. You know, you're you're a tourist in any new place. So, um, but definitely, I I do go to the the cliffs probably regularly enough, at least once a year. You just mm-hmm. go up and see it. You know, it's just lovely to see. You know, even a family day out. Yes. So yes, it exactly. is lovely on a nice day. <laughs> well, Mary, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And, you know, for these great tips for people who are beginning their ancestral search, obviously, you know, if they if they hit a roadblock and come to you, any work that they've done prior is just going to help you even further. So, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's great fun, regardless of all the searching and digging. It's, it's great fun. So just enjoy it. That's probably that's the, the best only advice. Yeah, that I could give. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It, it's been really great to chat with you. Thanks very much, Jody.